Hello, everyone, and welcome to Gritty Girls Podcast. I'm Christina Lee, and here with me on the phone is my co-host, Leslie Campbell. Hey, Leslie. Hello. How's it going? It's good. How are you? I'm good. I'm feeling good about our third attempt here (laughs) at recording uh, an episode on a very important topic, Black Lives Matter. Um, I think because it, it is important uh, for both of us, we're just, uh, we want to get it right. And so, you Definitely. know, we've psyched ourselves out a little, uh, trying to find, hey, what's the best way to talk about this? And so the first two attempts, man, the first one, you were like, uh-uh, uh, no. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I didn't like what right. I said. I said scrap that. Yeah. And then after we recorded the second attempt, I thought, well, maybe. And then I went back and listened, and I was like, no, you sound great. I sound like an idiot. <laughs> It's a you tough know, topic. I think it, it's a very tough topic, and I think it took us a while to figure out where our focus should be because yes. this is actually a pretty broad topic, and there's a lot of different directions we could take this conversation in. Agreed. It took us a while to kind of find our focus, right? Yes, and we've decided that the best way is really a practical approach, which is to um, teach people. And really, I taught myself as I did some research, but just suggest how are ways that we can be an ally? How can we be an ally to minority groups, people of color, to Black Lives Matter? And I think it's an opportune time because there are several polls, including a CBS poll, news poll that show that compared to five years ago, over 70% of people today believe racism is a big problem in America. So I think people are ready Mm -hmm. to hear about how can I be an ally? How can I be an anti-racist, right? Right. There's nothing worse than feeling like there's something big and heavy going on and then feeling helpless, like there's nothing you can do about it. And so we want to empower not only our listeners, but ourselves as Mm -hmm. well, right? I learned a lot. Yeah, by doing yeah, research. So um, there are five ways that you can be an ally. And, you know, there were a number of articles about how to be one. Um, and uh, I, I really went with two of them, which we'll link in the show notes. Leslie, if you can help me out with that. So, sure. yeah, one is a document called Guide to Allyship. And another is the Rochester Racial Justice Toolkit. Both effectively say that being an ally does not mean you fully understand what it means to be oppressed but to take on the struggle, especially if you're a member of a more privileged group. And the authors clarify that allies do not speak for the marginalized, but they can speak to people in their own group. And you mentioned this once to me, Leslie, um, and, uh, yeah. and, and that's powerful to do because you're speaking to your own circles to challenge their privilege. And, and by doing this, you're working to... Uh, you know, you're working to support the underprivileged, right? By creating, right. creating, yeah, more awareness. So one to key, create awareness, yes, exactly. Right. One key aspect of being an ally is self-reflection. I think that that is going to carry through all of uh, these five ways. Is to really, you know, through these uh, five ways, you really do need to self-reflect to figure out where am I in order to be the best ally possible. Um, And so it includes overall an acknowledgement that your words and actions are inherently shaped and influenced by our structure, which includes systemic oppression. I mean, that's just a a reality. You know, our structures are set up. And so being brought up in that, we have to be aware of what we're not aware of. 
So, exactly. Yes. And herein lies the problem that we see a lot of times is people aren't aware mm-hmm. or they don't believe that it exists. Um, and that's why it's important to kind of step out of your comfort zone and take a dive, educate yourself, and try to listen to multiple voices, right? Yeah, really keeping an open mind going in, really keeping that open mind. Otherwise, what will happen is there's an immediate uh, desire to defend, to defend yes, and say, no, no, I'm not that. And, right. Yes. And right, so you're, exactly. yeah, your point is, uh, is, is important. And we'll talk more about that when we talk about educating yourself. So the first thing, mm-hmm. first way that you can be an ally is to recognize your own privilege. And that sounds, see, that already probably makes people, you know, go, Ugh, you know, what do you mean yes. my own privilege? And I've heard that. Yeah, I'm not in exactly. a good place. I've heard that a lot. Right. So it does not mean that you haven't struggled. It doesn't mean that. You definitely have struggled. We've all struggled. But what it means is that your skin color didn't make that struggle harder. That's all it means in this exactly. in this simple way, okay? Your skin color did not make that struggle harder. And unfortunately, it touches on so many things, skin color, okay? So yeah. there are questions to ask, like, how have you benefited from being your skin color, being white, okay? Uh, maybe... You know, and, 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 you know, other there are other people of color that have some more advantages than other people of color. And so how have you benefited from your privilege? What do you take for granted that people of color have had to struggle against? Right. And right. so one example would be that, you know, if you're if you're white, you probably you know, you, you probably have not had to deal. I'm pretty sure you've not had to deal with racist jokes directed towards you at school at work no, never right but i certainly heard many racist jokes by white people towards other people of color mm-hmm. yes and so that's one way to recognize i don't have to deal with that right? right so another thing might be something as simple as driving um my son's 13 so we're not quite ready to drive yet but when he is ready to drive I know if he's getting pulled over, it's going to be because he's doing something wrong on the road. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be worried about him being, him looking suspicious due to his skin color. And that's an unfair privilege that he has. He didn't choose that. I don't fault him for that um, any more than I can fault myself for being born white. I had no choice in the matter. But I can recognize that it exists. Mm-hmm. And I can also recognize that my reality is not the same as someone else's reality. Yeah, I think that that's a really important point to make is that we often think that somehow other people's realities are like ours. I mean, we just instinctually do that unless we stop ourselves to say, mm-hmm. well, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, uh, more likely than not, if you, if you look different than me and you live here and we live in this society, you're going to have a different experience than, than right. what I'm experiencing. And I think people know that as a fact, but in the moment when emotions are in play, they may, they may not, you know, uh, realize that right away. And that's something that... Well, it takes mm-hmm. intentionality. Mm-hmm. So when someone says, check your privilege, watch your privilege, that's often met with um, defense, like you mentioned before. Um, and I can, I, can, and I can try to understand maybe why. Someone may say, well, what do you mean? I grew up poor. I struggled. I worked for everything we have. But like you said... The skin color did not make the struggle any harder, and that's the difference. 
And so in order to kind of get out of our own heads, because we all live in our heads, right? We mm -hmm. all have our, our worldview, the way that we perceive reality. It takes a lot of intentionality to put ourselves into someone else's experience. Yes. And the only way to do that is to have conversations and to listen to others. Now, that does not mean only listening to those that are going to confirm what you already think is true. For you sure. You to be willing to step outside of that comfort zone and listen to people who do not agree with you and seek to truly understand where they're coming from. You may not agree with everything that they have to say, but we cannot discount another person's reality, another person's experiences. And as people who wish to be compassionate and empathetic, um, as people who wish to heal a lot of the division that's in our country, it's so important to take yeah. that step. Right, exactly. And especially as you're learning, if, if that... Um, especially if those experiences are backed by evidence, you know, studies that show, for example, that, you know, you get lower pay if you're black uh, and you're working the same job as someone white. I mean, how would that feel for you if you're white and you're getting paid less than someone who's black for the same job? Well, as women, or we can relate women, to that. We can right? relate to that, yes. I have, I, have a, um, I have a family member who she was performing um, at the very top of her sales group outperformed everyone else she was uh, the only female and she was getting paid the least mm -hmm. and she had to fight just to get equal pay to what her male co-workers were doing even though she was the top salesperson right and how does that feel how would that feel right <laughs> exactly. I mean obviously terrible. not right not good um, you know, are you harassed by supervisors for your skin color? And we as women can understand being harassed for our sex, right? Being a woman. Yes, um, and definitely. so these are, yeah, and so educating yourselves means that you become aware of these things that are happening, right? And these, many of these are examples of systemic racism. Okay, so that's a term that was coined by, uh, I believe, a social scientist named Joe Fagan. And actually, it's not a very old term. Um, and what it means is that there are individual, institutional, and structural forms of racism that are so infused that it impacts consciously or unconsciously how we act. And so, you know, are you keeping a watchful eye on someone black who's walking on your street? Are you assuming a black child will perform poorly in class but better in sports? Right. And then, of course, we can also look to the things that are actually built into our social system, such as um, think something we can prove from the past would be redlining, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's the, so that's the second thing, right, the second point, which we're leading right into, which is educating mm -hmm. yourselves on issues of racism. So the first one was just acknowledging and recognizing your own privilege. And we listed examples of how when you're privileged, you don't have to deal with some of those things that we listed. The second thing is, okay, now educate yourselves, right? And we've listed some right. of the things that you can read up on. And Leslie is bringing up a great example of systemic racism, which is redlining. Do you want to talk about it a little bit? Do you know? Um, so I know it has to do with home lending discrimination. It does. That, and, and that was backed by our federal government, yes. right? Yes. And it was based on non-lending to people that were living in primarily black neighborhoods. Um, based on the claim that, oh, this has more crime, more more potential for disaster. 
and those areas were colored in red on maps that were used by banks. Exactly. So exactly. it made it difficult for um, for people of color, for, for blacks to purchase a home. Yeah, because they weren't able to get FHA loans. They weren't able to get loans that were backed by the federal government. Uh, they weren't able to get uh, their mortgages refinanced. Um, and so right. you create a situation where the intergenerational wealth is lost as a result of, mm-hmm. you know, there's grandparents who weren't able to, to keep their homes, let's say, or who who took a long time to pay off or weren't able to pay off their their uh, home loan right. as a result of not taking advantage, not being able to take advantage of lower interest rates, right? And being right. and being forced to t- to pay higher interest rates, uh, or not being able to buy a home at all. Uh, they have shown, right. you know, when FHA when uh, these uh, federally backed loans were available in certain neighborhoods um, or just overall. Uh, you know, only 2%, for example, would go to, um, or less. I mean, in some cases, yeah. you, you read, oh, only two loans were given to people of color uh, in mm-hmm. a in a redlined neighborhood. Um, and so these are real ways in which systemic racism is having a, uh, a terrible impact on a group of people uh, unfairly. And then, right. yeah. So then you know, of course, mm-hmm. we could also talk about mass incarceration. That is a huge. Because that kind of leads into that, right? Yes, it does. Yes, more blacks are arrested and imprisoned for drug possession, for example, than whites. And here are so some. So let me ask you yeah. the question, because some people think, oh, well, that's because more blacks do drugs than white people. Is that true? Absolutely not. No, that's not true. Actually, absolutely, they not. show that it's equal. Yeah, it's they show equal. it's equal. It's pretty equal, and yet black people are arrested more, far more. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had um, a person, a white female, admit to me that she carries drugs on planes, mm-hmm. and she said, "I said, how do you get away with that?" And she said, "Because no one suspects a white girl." Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's so much wrong with that. There's so much wrong with that. So I mean, it's, much. it's it's just a, a clear example of of what, well, of the outcry, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, of the outcry, and and so what it creates is uh, a really startling statistics. Um, According to an article um, by um, a journalist who is a fantastic writer, um, I've read his articles over the years, Ta-Nehisi Coates, um, and it's called The Black Family in the Age of Mass Incarceration, and we'll link that also in the show mm-hmm. notes. One out of four black men, one out of four born since the 1970s, has spent time in prison. Wow. One out of four. And over one million black children have a father in prison because of a system in the U.S. that has chosen incarceration as a solution rather than invest in mental health, in schools, drug rehab, community support, and a myriad of other options rather than the tens of billions. You know, if you think we're spending (laughs) not so much on, you know, on prisons, you think again. We're spending tens of billions. Fifty-two billion was one number I read, uh, you know, in prison cells and building more prison so cells. If we're spending that much money, I would like yeah. one thing I would like to address because when I hear you read this, I absolutely agree. But um, because I know so many uh, right-winning people in my life, 
I immediately hear in my head what their responses and arguments might be. Mm-hmm. And one response to this would be, well, well, what are you saying? Are we saying that we shouldn't incarcerate criminals? And I just want to lay out real quickly right here, we are not condoning criminal activity no. in the least. Mm-hmm. We're not condoning illegal drug use. We're not um, <laughs> condoning theft or any of the, anything that might land someone in prison. What we are, um, what we're trying to say is that many of the people that are incarcerated, number one, often the punishment doesn't fit the crime. If someone is found with a little bit of marijuana on them, should they spend 10 years in prison for that, especially when we have states where recreational use of mm-hmm. marijuana is legal? No, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. What about someone who is a drug addict? Let's say they weren't just found with a little bit of weed. Let's say they were found with some really heavy stuff like meth or heroin. Okay, if this person is a drug addict, is the answer having them spend 20 years in prison or maybe instead of spending thousands of dollars on keeping that person in prison, maybe that money might better be spent in helping that person overcome their addiction and helping them get some job skills. I agree with you. Um, and so yeah. that's that's the difference that, that we're, we're talking about right. here. Yes. Um, is that sometimes people are incarcerated for things. Um, that have a much better outcome a- if, if, the, if we tried to, to treat them. Yes. If there's, you know, there's, there's, there's a difference between violent crime and, and a case where someone is hurting themselves. Exactly. And not, right. Obviously, if, if you're raping, if you're burglarizing, yes. You are a danger in, uh, to society, and you need to be put away. Of you course. To, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but someone who's caught with a joint on them does not need to spend 10 years in prison. And, you know, unfortunately, those are the kinds of things that have happened as a result of our, you know, getting tough on crime um, yes. without enough discernment. I mean, a lot of that was done as a result of you know, politics and wanting to show, you know, who's who's got the guts to push something like that through, even though they had, you know, there were warnings along the way that, hey, this is this is too much. And, you know, what the numbers have shown is that our our crime numbers have gone down, but our incarceration rates are uh, way up. You know, the the society that's closest to ours in terms of the numbers of incarcerated per 100,000. So we have seven over 700 people incarcerated per 100,000 Americans. The country that comes closest to that, closest to that, behind us, not ahead of us, is Russia at around (laughs) 430. Around 430. We're almost double. Yes. So, you know, you're talking about, you know, a... a, uh, a regime that is uh, not great on human rights here, you know, who is no. uh, not outpacing us, but who you know, hundreds under either. us. And so that's something yeah. that I think when people think, oh, we're not tough on crime. Well, that's not what the numbers show. That's not what the right. numbers show. Um, and the exactly. question we have to ask is, is this where we want to focus all our money? Right. Stay tough right. on, you know, the areas where where you know, people are uh, committing crimes that are hurting people. But, you know, in some of these other cases, can the money be better spent elsewhere? And so the question in that article is, you know, how, what do we want to do? I mean, there are whole communities in in some cases that where you see these men going to jail. Is that what we really want to choose? 
So, so. Christina, we keep talking about educating ourselves. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you suggest? So yeah, you can read books, you can read articles, there are great articles. But as Leslie has mentioned, you know, not a lot of people read. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, but you know, quickly, if if you're going to read, if you're going to read articles, be careful, as Leslie has mentioned, do not, uh, do not, uh, you know, go and find your own choir. Um, you, You really have to be certain that you are listening to a variety of voices and look for studies that are you know, that are well-founded. Um, but yeah, right. so there are other non-reading things that you can do. Uh, you can uh, watch documentaries. There's one on Netflix. Yeah, and there's several great ones yes. on Netflix right now. Yes, one is like 13th, 13th. Mm-hmm, which I right. haven't watched yet. It's on my list. There's uh, also podcast. I yes. mean, obviously, if you're listening to us, you're familiar with the podcasting world. Yeah. Um, I know that This American Life has mm-hmm. had um, some really great episodes Love that show. Um, yeah. put out on, on this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, I've enjoyed them. They're, they're investigating is so thorough. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really great storytellers and, um, I've really learned a lot yeah. from their podcast. And of course they have a variety of topics, you know, yes. uh, ranging from straight up storytelling to interesting, um, you know, interesting stories to politics, but also about, you know, social justice as well. So, and, you um, know, what are some that you recommend? Well, I would recommend some fiction. You know, if you don't like to read nonfiction mm-hmm. and you find articles boring, um, fiction is a fantastic way to highlight, um, to highlight racism. Yeah. Uh, and, and when you attach, you know, when you get attached to a character who's experiencing this, uh, racism, um, you can really uh, understand their plight, uh, and it becomes yeah. very real to you. So I would search out uh, some uh, some works of fiction where the protagonist is a person of color. Um, you know, I'm reading one that's uh, it's actually about a Korean American uh, kid, a high school senior who has to uh, work around his parents being uh, racist toward blacks, toward oh, wow. uh, whites. Uh, like they don't want him to have a white girlfriend, so he is uh, like they've disowned his older sister who uh, married a black man. Um, and so, wow. and it's very entertaining, and it's done in a very non-threatening way. Introduces the subject. Uh, with a lot of heart. Uh, it's called Frankly right. in Love. Without, it's a new book. Not, yeah. So it's not preaching at you. No, not you're at all. You're simply watching it. You're you're reading and you're watching these events unfold. Correct. Yes. As yes. you learn the story. Yeah. No, I I think I think that's really great. Um, I, I guess one more point I would make on on this uh, kind of second thing in our list of ways to be an ally would be as you're seeking out information be aware of extremes Mm -hmm. um oftentimes i find that someone will point to an extreme idea or an extremist person extreme group on the other side and let that discount the entire argument right Mm -hmm. um what i found is often the truth lies lies somewhere between the two extremes mm-hmm. and so we want to just be aware of that and recognize when it comes to groups of people whether that be trump supporters or liberals or black lives matter supporters no matter what the group is there's often the spectrum mm-hmm. right yes you're gonna have you know most people are pretty centrist most people are pretty reasonable um 
just don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, like don't hear someone, say. yeah, who represents Black Lives Matter on in some way, uh, say something that you know is extreme and say, well, that's the entire movement. How can it exactly. be? I mean, that movement, first of all, doesn't it doesn't. And, and, and just because Black Lives Matter is actually a website and, and was founded by someone, it doesn't mean that everybody who believes that Black Lives Matter um, tow whatever that platform is saying. Um, you know, if you just believe in what is very much at face value, which is that, you know, there are systemic uh, uh, causes. There, there just are things that are happening that are not right. Uh, you know, black yes. men are being killed uh, by police officers, um, you know, in, 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 obvi- in ways that we've seen on video now that should not continue. And to branch right. out, what we're talking about now are how are ways in which black, f- black families are, um, are suffering as a result of some structures that are right. in place that keep them from, you know, being able to live a better life. And so we're talking exactly. about very practical things. And so don't let that get lost in the voices that may be getting a headline, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, so yeah great keep, point, Leslie. Keep, keep going. Yeah. Yes. So I guess I'll go ahead and move on to our next point. Yes. Um, point three is Listen to what black people and people of color have to say, and then share those things that you've heard, read, um, and conversed about with people in your own community. Right. Yeah. And you've done that. It's pretty, it's I've heard you. Yeah, yeah, I have. It's something we can all do, I think. Um, you know, I, black people have been talking about these issues for decades. This is what's going on now is nothing new Hmm. um quick little research in in the history of our country can can prove that fact um but the problem is is we haven't been listening Mm -hmm. and since we haven't been listening i think it's up to people like me people who are white people who um have benefited from our current societal constructs to talk to other white people talk to other um, I guess, quote, privileged people and help them help explain what the hell's going on. Right. Cause mm-hmm. I see a lot of people going, well, why, why is everyone so angry? Why, why is this happening? Why is that happening? Mm-hmm. And if you have taken the time to educate yourself, if you have listened to black voices, voices of people of color, and, and it's hard to do so, but I think now's the time to be brave. I think now's the time to have some of these hard conversations which kind of leads into point number four right yeah if you if you hear I think you can dip your toes in a little bit you know if you're in uh confront so if you're in a conversation uh you're sitting around there's a party a barbecue whatever and someone makes you know a racist joke um are you ready to maybe ask well you know uh you know why do you feel that way yeah. Yeah. Why? Uh, I'll give a quick example. So, you know, I was uh, at a play date and uh, this was years ago. And a friend of mine um, had said uh, when we were talking about housekeeping, she said, well, you know, I'm not a Mexican housewife. And, you know, it bothered me for days um, that she said that. And, you know, I didn't say anything to her at the time. But if I if I could do it over again, I would ask her, well, what do you mean by that? Like right. what? What? Yeah. What did, what did you mean by that? I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, really. Be, you right. don't have to be totally um, 
confrontational about it either. Mm-hmm. I, I think oftentimes asking people questions mm-hmm. is actually better than a, than confronting because it gets them to think about, well, why did I say that? Yeah. Or how did that come across? I think so many people will maybe make these um, jokes that have racial undertones in mm-hmm. them without necessarily thinking a lot of people I think do it unconsciously versus maliciously mm-hmm. and I think it's important for people to kind of be aware of maybe some of those unconscious things well gosh why did I say that or ooh, ooh, I didn't realize how that came across you know maybe I shouldn't tell that joke again well I think you know? that yeah think we're, it's important to think about yes. those things we're, we're just what we're doing is let we're treating then you know when you do this you're not dehumanizing anyone right you're not perpetuating that circle so by asking right. the question and not making them defensive you're saying that you know I, I I'd like to give you a chance to, to talk about that I, I'd like to help you think about that because I don't think you're a bad person yeah. but you may and have nothing some... wrong with saying <laughs> yeah. like saying you know like it really bothers me, you know, the joke you told really bothers me. Yeah. You know, it makes me feel that you think this about this group of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes is that what you think? Stating that. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is this what you really think? Yeah. You know, I wonder if this is what you really think. Conversation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, it's this, <laughs> it's not fun. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to feel awkward. Yes. Um, some people will. may respond just will. well. Some people may not. Right. You know, some people, I mean, it is possible that you you could lose a relationship or a friendship over this. That's a real possibility. So you kind of need to weigh those aspects um, and, and think about your words and, and choose them, them carefully. You know, um, that actually brings into our next point. So the fifth and final way in which you can be an ally is protest, donate, and sign petitions. But within that, you know, I wanted to talk about how if you're not ready— you know, it, don't mm-hmm. don't feel like you have to run out and do right away. Well, even if it is, you know, uh, quote unquote, on you know, confronting or bring attention to uh, someone in your circle saying something racist. I mean, if you take the time to read more, take the time to be reflective, um, and then when you feel ready, then yes, you know, by all means. Uh, you know, ask questions, right? Uh, raise awareness, uh, uh, protest, donate. Um, but, you know, get clear before you go out and feel the need to quickly jump in and do. Now, Christina, mm-hmm. some people may um, may take offense to that because they may say, now is the time to speak up. Silence is complicity. How would you answer that? I would say that, you know, if you don't know uh, the ways in which, um, if you don't know how to respond, it can actually give more power to the other person. True. Like yeah. maybe it, it could do more harm than yes, good? Yes, it can. It can. Okay. Um, so I, I do think, I think that, that's good to clarify. Yeah, yeah. And I think none of this is really no matter. Yes, the time is now, but there are plenty of people around. I mean, you do have to take the time to. Uh, to, you know, to square up with this a bit and, and feel feel the need. I mean, if you feel the need and, and, and to get clear before you, you take that action, I, I think that if, if you don't, you naturally feel uncomfortable, right? Just like how we attempted to do the show, and it's a third try. It's this third try yeah. where we feel that we, we are comfortable. Now, you know, I've done more reading. I, I have 
thought about it longer. Um, in fact, I read for... We wanted our words to yeah. count. Yes. And, um, and we just weren't ready before. What you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, because I, I think one issue that we have is a lot of people who, they have an opinion about something, but it's not a well-informed opinion. It may be a right imp- opinion, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe it's a right, uh, maybe it's right in the moral sense, mm-hmm. but maybe it's not well-formed in the sense that they don't really know enough information to really talk about it intelligently. So yeah. what happens is these people rush out and what you end up seeing is what is what gets spread all over the internet, which is screaming matches, right, right? between yeah. this group and that group, and it just it all boils down to just insulting. Yes, um, everyone's and, and defending. At that point, no progress has been made, mm-hmm. none whatsoever. And at that point, all you have done is watered down your message with anger and emotions and name calling. And that is what the other side is going to focus on. Right. They're not going to focus on your message at right. that point. You've yes. lost them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so I think that's a great tip. And, um, you know, that's an, so as you're working on becoming an ally, uh, keep that in mind. And the last thing, you know, with that protest, donate and sign petitions is that, you know, this is a perfect time to get informed about the candidates um, that are out there yeah. coming up in the November election. Um, this is truly how you can uh, be an ally is to vote for candidates who uh, who are you know aware of these issues and who have a record for holding up civil rights um, and uh, part of what we all can do is in, in, encourage our friends and family to register to vote so that we're ready to do so uh, right. come November um, and and, and that I, I want to say loud and clear yeah. I would also add to that, don't be blinded by party lines. Mm -hmm. Don't think that just because someone says that they're a Democrat, that they are going to fight for you. Mm -hmm. You've got to look at the individuals. You've got to look at their records. Look at what they have done in the past, the work that they have done, and look at what they say that they would like to do in the future should they be elected. Um, Because one of the things that we see in a lot of these cities where these injustices are occurring, they're actually being led by Democratic governments. Right. Um, by by Democrats. So mm-hmm. um, don't be fooled by party lines. I would encourage um, people to look at all the candidates. You can look at the ones on the other party lines that maybe you're like, oh, man, I can't go there. Check them out. Get a well-rounded view. Feel right. good about the people you're voting for. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, Absolutely. that's really important to do. Yes. Agreed. So those are five ways in which you can be an ally to the Black Lives Matter movement or for people of color, uh, just uh, in terms of supporting people of color in general. But, you know, I kind of wanted to finish, Leslie, with um, something that I wanted to say as an Asian American. Um, and, yeah. you know, I have been reading about this and, and trying to think about what are my thoughts around um, being an Asian American as a member of a minority group. Because so one aspect of race dynamics in our country is that Asian Americans are often used as a wedge. Uh, We're used as a wedge to create division um, within minority communities. So a number of, for example, a number of white leaders, as well as Asian Americans themselves, have asked, why can't black Americans behave like Asian Americans who also have Mm -hmm. experienced discrimination and hardship, but 
rose to become, quote, the model minority, right? We're called the model minority. So there are a few problems with the model minority label. You know, I've really had to think about this. Like, what is wrong with this? Because it doesn't feel right. So first, the problem with the model minority is that it takes the responsibility off of people and structures that continue to discriminate against all minorities, Asians included. Okay, so yeah. today, today Asian Americans continue to face discrimination in areas of housing, career, education. And, of course, today they're experiencing violence from racists who are angry about COVID-19. Right. So saying that Asians can achieve success, so why can't you, that removes a spotlight on those doing the oppressing and puts the target on Asian Americans for other minority groups to resent and creates division. And so, no, this doesn't it doesn't work. It doesn't work for for Asian Americans. It doesn't work for other people of color. And so this brings me to the second issue. Asian Americans who relish being the model minority, okay, because there are the because it's hard to not, you know, I mean, when you when you are a group that is being held up as a model, there's this, uh, you know, you're being kind of seduced, right, to love it. So what I have to say to that is that Asian Americans can get a false sense of safety believing they've been accepted by the majority, by the white majority. And thus, some Asian Americans can begin to discriminate against other minority groups who aren't as successful financially and educationally. But in reality, in reality, the model minority label was always a false token, some kind of reward for, like, being a good pet. Mm. Okay? And when things go wrong, such as the pandemic, the dog gets kicked. So you have people calling COVID-19 the China virus, the Wuhan virus, and each individual Asian becomes the virus, seen as the virus. So, you know, what I concluded is that no model minority label can remove the stench of racism. And so no matter the reasons behind Asian Americans achieving financial success, the spotlight should be shown on what structures are creating barriers for all minorities, whether it's in government or in our largest corporations, both creating systems that continue to keep minorities out of the game and certainly out of the room when rules are being made. Yeah. Right. You know, everybody wants to come to the table. Um, And so we have to look at what is keeping everybody from coming to the table. And so, you know, being divided within people of color, the communities of color is not going to help that. And it it totally takes the eye off the ball or, you know, off what the problem is, which is, you know, systemic structural racism um, by certain, uh, you know, uh, individuals and structures. And so. Right. And um, I felt like it was really important for me to put that out there because it, it continues to be used. Um, no, as thank a, you. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing that because yeah. for um, those of us who aren't Asian Americans, that's something that we're not always keenly aware of, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. I thank you for sharing that. Well, it, it also keeps – I'd like to yeah. – I'd like to end um, – on a point, it was actually something, it was actually my last Facebook post that I wrote, and I, I kind of posed a question, and I said, why is it that some people equate criticism of policies and or government leaders with hatred for America? 
patriots, true patriots, are interested in making their country better. They don't blow off criticism and denounce critics as America haters. The only people who equate criticism with hatred for a country are dictators and people who follow authoritarian and dictatorship style thinking. I wanted to end on that note because I don't want anyone for a second, anyone who maybe disagrees with Christina and I in some way, to get the idea that we are hating on our country, that we're hating on police as a whole, that we're hating on white people. Um, that's not our aim at all. Um, both of us love our country. Um, both of us want to make it better. And part of democracy um, is being able to have the freedom to speak out and to criticize policies and government um, when we see something that is wrong. That is American. It doesn't get much more American than that. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And pointing out what's wrong does not mean that we don't love, that there's something wrong with everything. We're just pointing exactly. out what is wrong. And so, right. you know, it's, it's what we teach our kids, right? Like, um, exactly. what, are, what are ways that you can improve yourself? I mean, we're always learning and evolving. That's the, the road to evolving is how do we grow? Um, and that's all we are doing is, is taking a look at uh, where we can grow here. So that's right. a great way to end the show. Thank you so much, everybody, for, um, for listening and um, lots to think about. Exactly.